Lord, open our hearts and our minds by the power of your Holy Spirit, that as the scriptures are read and your word is proclaimed, that we may hear with joy what you say to us today. Amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 6, verses 27 through 42. But I say to you that listen, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from anyone who takes away your coat, do not withhold even your shirt. Give to everyone who begs from you, and if anyone takes away your goods, do not ask for them again. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you hope to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies. Do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. Your reward will be great, and you will all be children of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure pressed down, shaken together, running over will be put into your lap. For the measure you give will be the measure you get back. He also told them a, terrible, a parable. Can a blind person guide a blind person? Will not both fall into a pit? A disciple is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully qualified will be like the teacher. Why then do you see the speck in your neighbor's eye, but do not notice the log in your own? Or how can you say to your neighbor, friend, let me take out the speck in your eye when you yourself do not see the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your neighbor's eye. The word of the Lord. You pray with me. Jesus, this morning we come to you and we are in awe of your goodness, of your presence, of your word. And so we pray that you give us humility and open heart to receive your word and that you use me to speak your word. In Christ's name, amen. So, I don't know how well everyone knows my personal habits, but I am what most people would call a neat freak. Um, I am someone that is just very particular about where things go, where things are left, how things should be organized, whether it's at home, or in my office, or in my car. Um, it's, it's stressful living my life sometimes. When you look at someone, put something away the wrong way, and you go, I want to fix that. But you have to wait till they're not looking so you don't offend them. 
It's a problem that really uh, I wish I could say was genetic, but it's really all my dad's fault. Um, I blame him. My dad and I have many conversations about how we're just confused about how my mom and my four siblings and my cousins, no one apparently can see all of the mess that we see. How could people be so inconsiderate? How do you not see it? It's right there. One time, I'm going to put my dad on the spot, but he won't hear this for a few days. My dad is so particular about how clean things should be. He just gave up years ago. My mom said, do you want to be happy or do you want to be clean? And he was like, all right, fine. Um, but my mom wanted to do something nice while he was at work, so she got a set of cleaners to come to the house. And wouldn't you know it, my mom said, I cleaned the house today, honey. I hope you like it. And he went, you did a pretty good job. I mean, you didn't get the dust over there or the lint in that corner, and she was so irate. And she told him that she, he should call the uh, cleaners to let them know that they're not good enough and that they should get a refund. The moral of this story is that the question I ask is, how do you not see the dirt, the mess, the mistake? And other people are going, why are you so hypercritical and sensitive towards uh, something being out of place? And that's just something I have to live with. This passage in Luke's gospel um, is one of the most provocative parts of the gospels. It's got some of the most interesting moments in Jesus' ministry where he's talking about the ethics of the kingdom of God. Morals, these ideas that, of right and wrong, but ethics, the way we live them out. And what Jesus begins to say here, I'm sure we've all heard plenty of times before. Um, he says it pretty clearly here and in the, in the other Gospels as well. And yet, these are some of the principles that we either ignore or we change out of convenience. And so, uh, just to walk through some of this passage, it starts with Jesus saying, but I say to you who listen. We all know what it's like to hear people but not listen. I'm assuming after a year of quarantine, we've all been on some Zoom calls where we hear people talking, but we have another window open. Maybe we're shopping. Maybe we're texting someone else in the meeting about how we wish it would end sooner. Maybe we're watching Netflix in another tab. We hear noise, but we're not listening attentively. So Jesus knows at this moment, not everyone's going to listen. So I'm talking to you that will listen, you that are choosing to hear my words, you that are paying attention. And he proceeds to say some things that ruffle some feathers. He says, what people do to you should not affect what you do to them. This is a rule that most parents have taught their kids. Uh, we've all probably heard this hundreds, if not thousands of times, do to others as you would have them do to you. And even though we know the right words, typically the way we translate that into action in our lives is we think, whatever your energy is, I will match that, but I'm not going higher. Whatever you do to me, I will do the same to you. And in another passage, Jesus talks about that principle. It's called an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Here, he's flipping this on its head. He says, no, no, it makes no difference what people do to you. You are called to do to them how you believe you yourself should have been treated. And so already, Jesus is not probably very popular. It's not like he's talking to an audience that hasn't known hardship. These are people living under occupation. 
of a superpower in the world called Rome. This is a people that are expecting liberation. This is a people that want to live a different life than they've had. And Jesus is saying, love your enemies. And he goes down the line here and he says some really difficult things. Love those that curse you. He says to pray for those that are against you. He says, turn your other cheek. He says, give them the shirt off your back. He says to do some really drastic things for people that by all measurable standards do not deserve it. This isn't an original story. 2,000 years later, this isn't news. And yet we hear these words from Jesus and we don't like them. And we know it's not the church thing to say we don't like them. We can't go, yeah, it's a really bad verse. Um, But we don't practice it. Not consistently, anyways, myself included. Um, Then we get to some more difficult pieces of this passage. Jesus goes on, and, and this is where we feel like we get off the hook. He says, judge not, and you won't be judged. Condemn not, and you won't be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and much will be given to you. And so this is one of the most interesting parts of this exchange with Jesus and the crowd because we often reread this passage as well. And we think to ourselves, this is a a common phrase, only God can judge me. And I think what people mean to say or what they imply is that only God has the right to judge me because God alone is perfect, which I agree with. But we're all lying to ourselves if we think only God can judge us. Because people judge one another every day. We judge one another every day. So much of it's subconscious. The moment someone walks into a room, ooh, Mike, you chose the black tie and blue shirt today. Little judgment. Oh, that, that's where you go out to eat right now during COVID. Interesting, no mask protocol. Little bit of judgment. Ah, I see you think that TV show is good. No taste. Judgment. You voted for who? Judgment. You say this, but you do that? Judgment. The reality is that Jesus' words here, judge not unless you want to be judged, it's less of a, a precursor or a warning. It's more just a statement about reality because we're already doing it. We're already in the process of judging one another, and we don't even notice it. And the truth of the matter is that sometimes our judgments are so subconscious, and we know we're not supposed to do that. That's not very Christian of us. That's not very Jesus-like of us. So we don't want to go say something. That'd be rude. But then we slip into another category called gossip. Instead of speaking to the person with whom we're thinking about, we go to someone else. Jesus uses the analogy here of noticing the speck in someone else's eye without noticing the log on your own. Now, I'm a neat freak. I told you that. So if I see lint on you, I'll probably grab it. And that is also my dad's fault. I would walk out the door for school, and he would hit me with a lint roller. He was in the Marines, so, you know, take that as you will. And now I've got a lint roller in my car. Wouldn't you know it? So for me, I think of this story, think about how small lint is sometimes, right? You see it, and you kind of, it's kind of bothering you, but you're like, well, live your life, man. But sometimes you can't help yourself. 
a speck in someone else's eye instead of the log in your own. How do you not see it? A speck to a log, there couldn't be a more drastic comparison. And so as we're judging one another, and we're justifying our judgment, because of course our judgments are sound and righteous and others are just wrong, the truth of the matter is that we can't help ourselves. It's, it's almost like a natural reflex. And so Jesus uses this analogy, this metaphor, this, this common idea actually at the time with Greek philosophers to notice the speck in someone else's eye, to, to be so focused on fixing someone else and pointing out the problems in them that you're not able to see your own. And so the question is, I think Jesus, like me and my dad, looking at the dirt on the ground is, He says, you hypocrite, how can you not see your log in your eye? So I think there's two possibilities, and I I truly strive to give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, And so one is not so good, right? One is you do see your log, whatever that may be, and you pretend it's not there for whatever reason. Either you just have to be right, you have to be in the position of power or control, whatever it may be, you see your log and you're acting like it's not there and condemning someone for their speck, or you've lived with your log for so long, you forgot it was there. Now my sister is one of the messiest people I've ever met. She's definitely one of those creatives that has no sense of order. She is not Presbyterian. Okay? Over Christmas, we're sitting at the table, and my dad likes a clear table. But arts and crafts started to accumulate. They get pushed to the center of the table. Okay, it's fine, she's doing something. Three days later, it's still there. Katie, what's up with this Gorilla Glue? We're trying to eat pasta. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry, I saw it, but if it's there for too long, it blends in to a wooden table, it's a blind spot. We get so used to seeing the things in our lives where they are that we forget that they're there. We all have blind spots. We use this term for driving. You're you're driving and you've got mirrors because we don't have 360 degrees of vision. We need side mirrors and a rear view mirror. And guess what? Even with all those mirrors, we still have blind spots that you have to physically and intentionally check before making a turn. No mirrors are going to help us see it unless we get some more developments with our cars, and I know Teslas are pretty impressive, but our blind spots are still there. And it's not just in our cars, it's in our lives. We have developed these blind spots for all kinds of reasons. Some were defense mechanisms to not deal with what's going on in us. Some are defense mechanisms to avoid dealing with what's going on in others. Some are on purpose so that we don't have to admit that we are actually the problem. And so we look with a magnifying glass at other people's specs and yet can't see our own logs. I think the truth of the matter is that we judge ourselves based on our intentions and we judge others based on their actions. We are hypercritical of those around us and we're hyper generous with ourselves because, hey, we're only human. I'm doing my best. And yet when other people fall short, it's not good enough to say sorry. It's not good enough to make it better. Their specs 
look so much bigger to us than they are in reality. And so Jesus in this passage says, judge not or you will be judged. And so we go, oh, I shouldn't go around judging, which is true in one sense. And yet at the end of this metaphor, Jesus says, you hypocrite, how do you not see the log in your own eye? First, remove the log from your eye. Then you will be able to see clearly and remove the speck from your neighbor's eye. The reality is there are specks in people's eyes. And you can name them. Come up with your list right now. What is your spouse doing that just bothers you? Your children, your siblings, your friends at school, your enemies at school, the people down the street that you can't believe what sign's been in their yard for nine months, the people that cut you off in traffic. What are the specks in people's eyes that bother you? And then have an honest moment to look inward and say, what are my logs? What are the people that I'm complaining about complaining about me? Because it's happening. Do do to others as you would have them do to you? They're probably doing it too. And so when we think about what are these logs in our eyes, what are the specks that we're ignoring, the reality is that there are problems. This is not a message of ignoring evil or shortcomings, or sin. The kingdom of God that Jesus is preaching about, the ethic of that kingdom, is justice and love. That does not mean that we accept evil as it is. Of course we point those things out. Of course we fight for justice. And yet, the place where we can most effectively and most quickly make change is in ourselves. There's all kinds of one-liners that people pull out of Scripture, the right proverb for the right time, but the truth of the matter is that if we learn to look inward about what is the sin that is making me fall short in this moment, what am I doing in this moment? How am I contributing to this tension? How am I contributing to reconciling it? If we look for our own log, believe me, you will find it if you can be honest with yourselves. In this passage, Jesus begins to talk about all of the ripple effects of what happens when we begin to acknowledge our own logs. We're going to have specks in our eyes for the rest of our lives because we are imperfect. We do fall short. But the first step is to acknowledge those issues And the next step is to do something practical about them. The thing is that when we see specks in other people's eyes, we amplify them and magnify them, kind of like removing binoculars. We look backwards through binoculars at ourselves and minimize our faults and maximize others. And when we see other people's specks, we don't usually ask the question of why they're there. Why is this person the way they are? Why are they doing these things? Why are they so two-faced? Why do they go back on their word? How could they have done fill in the blank? But we don't ask those questions of ourselves. And when we're judged ourselves, we're so upset. How could you judge me on my worst day? I only cut that person off because I was late. If you knew my intentions, you wouldn't be that upset with me. When we don't address our own logs, 
it becomes a breeding ground for making other people's specks look way bigger than they are. And Jesus was all about putting things into perspective. The double meaning, if not more than that, of this is that being in the kingdom of God and giving your life over to the Spirit is about getting new eyes to see. And so this language of judge, judge not or you will be judged, this is something that we are bad at traditionally as humans. And so part of our liturgy here is to remind ourselves of that every week. We have a corporate prayer of confession where we pray together that we have fallen short by what we have done and what we've not done, by what we've said and not said, where we've stood up and where we shouldn't have stood up. Not only that, we we know that to be forgiven, we must forgive. And so we pray this prayer every week that Jesus taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We get to that line that says, forgive us as we forgive one another. It seems to be conditional. And maybe we say that on autopilot, but those words have meaning. The specks in other eyes need to be addressed, but not before we address our own logs. Does that mean we can't hope for change or that we can't be great movers in our society or in our families or our communities? No, we're never going to be perfect, but we have to step into these roles with humility. It's not possible. That's why the old cliche of practice what you preach is there. Clichés are there because they were said so much that we got tired of hearing them. I'd say most of what Jesus says in the scriptures becomes cliches in our minds. Do unto others as you would have them do. Yeah, well, that's kind of outdated now. But here we see what the ethics of the kingdom of God are. is to acknowledge where we ourselves are at. Love apparently is defined differently than we would have thought. People don't get what they deserve. Thank God. People are supposed to receive from us a love that goes beyond circumstance, regardless of friend or foe, family or enemy. Love requires that extra step. Love requires no strings attached. And that's what will change us and ultimately change those around us. The ability to empathize with one another changes our posture towards God. When we see one another as image bearers of the divine God that is above all others, just as we are, it changes our posture. And when we're able to take our own sins seriously, not minimize them, not ignore them, but when we own them, it changes our posture towards God and towards others. And so as we leave this place, this morning I challenge you, don't point out a speck today. Spend today looking for your logs because we will find them. But praise God that he's a God of grace that changes us when we don't have the strength to do it ourselves. Amen.